0: This is The Strategic Hotbox Real with Dr. Brandy Stankovic. remixing your favorite episodes and moments and giving you the tools to achieve greatness. It's time to kick some
1: Today's topic: Leading in adversity.
2: Well- Welcome to the Strategic hot box. It's your girl, Dr. Brandi Stankovic. And this has the makings of potentially being the best Strategic Hotbox <laughs> episode ever. It is, uh, the title at first is Surviving Naked. Talk about perseverance through tragedy. Talk about living with your legacy in mind. Talk about Surviving disaster. Let's get started. I am here with my good friend, Stacy, and she is going to tell us all about what it means to survive naked. And she happens to be in small pieces of leather and I am going to keep my eyes locked in in her eyes the entire episode and she's going to make me blush blush at least 10 times and I'm probably going to stumble over words but it's going to be amazing. So how did you make this little leather first of all? Well
0: um, I actually didn't get an outfit until probably day 30 and I wore so this is actually a piece of paracord that's been fashioned around something that's been it was used as a hanky by multiple Groups of us, and then my loincloth on the bottom. This was actually. You
2: just lifted your loincloth to sorry. show. I saw under the loincloth. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to maintain eye contact, and she's making it really hard. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So, yeah, this was actually another girl's outfit who actually didn't make it through the challenge. So, when she was medevaced out, she actually stripped her clothes off, like what she had. Mm-hmm. And so, what was left over, um, Alyssa and I, one of the girls I had finished with, that we made an extra outfit. For each of
2: us, yeah, awesome. So I actually thought about what does one wear when she's doing a podcast with her friend that's wearing small pieces of leather, and that's perfect. I decided on an Eddie Vedder shirt.
0: I love it. Yeah. So that's. I think it's perfect. Here, I'm
2: excited that my good friend Eddie Garcia is here. So please tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, I'm obviously still still living it. Um, What happened to me five five years ago? Um, I I was in the in the best shape of my life. And then one day, um, I started developing what I thought was a flu. Now, my wife, she actually was sick, and it was believed that she had contracted um, strep throat mm-hmm. and she had missed the whole week of work. So, what did I think? Oh, well, my wife was it. sick. Right. I, I contracted with what she had. Sure. So, um, you know, this was on a Sunday when I started feeling sick, went to work on Monday. And on Monday, I was getting exponentially sicker by the minute. I finally texted my wife as she was getting off of work. And I, I told her something's, something's definitely not- wrong. She got me to an urgent care clinic. And um, they kind of diagnosed me with what they thought was a the flu. They were, they took some blood work. They were going to give me some antibiotics, send me on my way. And I was getting, as I was getting off the examination table, boom passed out Oh no! and the next thing i know i'm being revived by the nurses mr garcia mr garcia and um now from there on all i can do is really hear people mm-hmm. not see anymore i wasn't you know i wasn't coherent enough to really know what was going on but i can hear we got to get in the hospital now and um the blood work the blood work they they rushed it uh very quickly and they found out that i was in renal failure um my uh body my well my blood was septic and so did your organs or uh, everything failing? i oh, was wow. failing i was in shutdown mode and um, they rushed me to the hospital and uh, uh i i only remember waking up weeks later wow. um with my arms and feet um they were basically they went from uh flesh and bone to petrified wood after speaking with the nurses some of these nurses had now even become my friend even uh, to this day course. they told me they told me that uh that Under the conditions that I was under, with the IV drips going through, they can tell if you're getting so many drips per minute, if the person's probably not going to make it or what have you. And they told me that after watching what was going on, they they said it's like uh, there's say your prayers, get the family together, all that stuff. But they they had diagnosed me with a fleshing bacteria in my thigh. How, where, what, how I got a flesh it.
2: Flesh eating bacteria in your thigh.
1: A flesh and bacteria in my thigh. Expert, a very
2: special person that I had the opportunity to meet with earlier this year. His name is Chris Fair. The day that we got to spend together too, I my eyes were opened somewhat to some of the, the places that the world is lacking and how to support those with disabilities. What are what needs to change in the world in regards to support and in, in helping people with disabilities?
3: So first off, I think a lot of people, they mean well. And I think sometimes sometimes it's just ignorance. Sometimes they don't know what to do because they're not exposed to that disability community as much. Um, so I think having more awareness to people with disabilities will definitely help. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing is that dealing with the disability community, a lot of times that things that are created for people with disabilities whether it's, let's say, clothing, whether it's medical equipment, um, unless it's designed by engineers. Some of the other things can get, get left on the side. Um, dealing with disabilities, let's say, for instance, in 2015, I had an LVAD put in, which is a heart pump, mm-hmm. to help regulate my heart rhythm before I had my heart transplant six months later. So in that LVAD system that they give you, You have to when you're mobile you have to carry batteries and a controller and what they give you to hold those batteries when you're out it was unsafe um it wasn't really thought or planned um to the patient in regards to having them be comfortable now that they have this huge system inside them and they have to carry around uh you know this medical equipment so out of that negative i found a positive and i started to create these medical vests for patients that make it um, safe and comfortable for them to wear these batteries and controller.
2: Wow, that's amazing. And so that that you're right. I mean, it, a lot of times the people that are designing equipment like that aren't necessarily the people that that have to utilize it or you know that type of thing or not having open conversations about it.
3: No, and I think a lot of the times they try to get out the major things, but they don't realize that in the disability community, a lot of times the details are the most important part
2: as we all know shit can hit the fan right and when it does it flies everywhere it seems to when i feel like when things go wrong they go really really wrong or when one thing occurs then uh, multiple things occur and and when disaster strikes it feels like it just continues to occur and can really push you in when you're already down and how do we cope how is it that we can emerge from things that happen in our lives and even if those things aren't catastrophic or when they are catastrophic what is it that we do how do we we continue to grow and strive and and go for our goals when we've had tragic setbacks especially when the future might be a new future when we're having to redefine what we thought we were going to achieve in life major disasters I feel like are becoming more common today than ever before whether it's hurt hurricanes or tornadoes or fires, so we've seen a lot of that in the United States. Uh, even organizational layoffs or people losing their jobs, um, shootings, unfortunately. What happens when, when you're affected? What happens when people, the people around you are affected? What happens when, when the worst case scenario occurs? And how do we keep from more bad things occurring after that or getting into a place where it's impacting us for the rest of our lives and, of course, when something tragic occurs it will impact us but how do we take that impact and make sure that we're we're transitioning that to become part of our story in a positive way not necessarily something that holds us back in the future we have very special guests with us today miss Julie Lewis well thank you for sharing that story Uh, and how did you through the different stages of it or what were some of those stages how did you get through it
4: well, probably the first stage was disbelief. You stand there, you know, not knowing what's going on, kind of in shock. It kind of felt like I was watching this horrible movie of someone else's life. And then you go through the the pity stage, I guess. Why me? Why is all this happening to me? Um, what did I do to deserve all this? And you really don't know what to do. What really got me through it is working in the credit union industry, I know this is gonna sound really corny, and I have been in the credit union industry a long time, so I have drank the juice for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, it being in such a cooperative industry, people came together so quickly. When we were still standing there, talking to the firefighters, credit unions were bringing bags of clothes. They one called and arranged a hotel room for us. the next two weeks until we we kind of got our minds sorted out and got settled which i wasn't even thinking of where was i going to go that night Mm -hmm. Um, my husband works for the sheriff's office and they are very very tight knit as well so just working for organizations that have such a tight bond Mm -hmm. and family structure that's what immediately got us through it Mm -hmm. and you know, taking that step back, like you said, and sharpening the axe and thinking, you know, that was probably the next stage. Okay, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. And thank goodness we had a lot of support to help us figure out what those next steps were going to be.
2: So mental toughness, surviving naked, what does that mean? I was uh, went to a hot cardio boxing class the other night and it's my favorite class it's like hot yoga but you go and you do cardio kickboxing in this really really hot room and there's really no other kind of uh, fitness class where I will push myself to absolute dizziness and exhaustion and it still honestly doesn't prepare me sometimes for the mental toughness that is required in some other situations that I'm in but literally I love being pushed to that place of absolute exhaustion and I do not feel that in very many scenarios and how often can we get that chance as human beings to push ourselves to that place. We're so often mentally lazy where we'll in cardio classes or maybe not go to the gym at all or in situations be like you know, I'm tired or eh, I'm feeling weak or whatever and just give up and so we have to to build up that mental toughness to push ourselves and I, I know I've shared in previous episodes but uh, when I did the triathlon with Jimmy a couple years ago in swimming and the swimming portion of it swimming is probably the only a uh, competitive sport that i found that you can't just stop swimming Right? When you're running and doing half marathons and things, you can just walk for a second and just kind of chill out and walk. Well, in swimming, if you stop swimming, you you just can't stop swimming. Like You just can't stop swimming, right? So the only way to finish in a swim portion is to keep swimming. And so it, it really did create this perseverance or drive or hunger in me to want to finish. And that kind of exhaustion is, is really powerful. And it also creates a bit of a, a context realignment when you get to a place of absolute exhaustion. Uh, exhaustion. Wow. So what is it like to go and just be take like to just take all your clothes off and walk I mean it's uh, it's (laughs)
0: hard I'm sure it's it is. really hard. Um you are basically being kind of left for dead. You're dropped in the middle of nowhere. Everything's taken from you. You're given a knife, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of blade. And it's some kind of primitive rite of passage, you know, something mm-hmm. that we don't have established in our culture any longer. But it's something that I was able to give in, I was given this chance. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that I was able to do this. But yeah, everything's stripped from you. You're 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 completely at the mercy of the natural world around you, and and you have to use everything that's in your mind. I mean, it's all knowledge and applied knowledge, and wit and and intuitive instinct.
2: I think so. I don't. Know. Unfortunately, I don't think they spend enough time on that on the show. No. That, on on how much you guys know, because I know how much you know, and and I don't think they spend enough time. They spend so much time on the drama yes. sometimes that they don't spend enough time on on how what it takes to actually survive out there, and and the, you guys building the little kind of forts that you've the built Boma. the bomas and you building you know and, and finding the food and trapping and, and fishing and all you did all that on your own mm-hmm. and it, it i don't think that was highlighted they don't even it show be. it yeah. they,
0: they show um just a minuscule amount of what actually took place out there and we were doing great i mean it was absolutely incredible and we had forged this bond as something that had not been done on this show before that we were actually doing this as a unit because you couldn't separate in little clicky groups and, right it was too dangerous. Not, right. not in this location in South Africa it was just far too dangerous. So, yeah, that was. I have never in my life figured that I would be in this type of situation with these people. I never went to summer camp as a kid, right. so this was like the ultimate. Um, being around people that I had to adapt to and learn to uh, be tolerant of, and and care about at the same time. You know, that mm-hmm. you cared about these people. Right. And it's actually uh, something I think that most people need to experience like your triathlon deal that it's when you're able to push yourself through something especially with other people Mm -hmm. it forges this bond that's unbreakable Mm -hmm. and nobody else can understand and maybe
2: you've heard some of these stories some famous failures or those stories of different celebrities that had to work really hard to get through a challenge stephen king's first novel was rejected 30 times before it was published thomas edison failed a thousand times before creating the light bulb and thank goodness he kept going right I mean think about that um, Jay-Z couldn't get signed to a record label and so he created his own and and just basically then just went around brushing his shoulders off right now right. um, and then Michael Jordan was cut from his high school varsity basketball team and then one of the greatest basketball players of all time and these are all just challenges or hurdles that these different uh, superstars faced and yet kept going and so whether it's a challenge or a tragedy we have got to to keep Keep going and move forward. And so, getting back to where I was talking about in that challenge, I think that there's a misconception sometimes about a people that achieve success. That given that I will hear terms like, "Oh, you know, that's so fortunate," or "You're so blessed." Hashtag blessed. And I, I can't stand that stuff. I mean, that really it does become a pet peeve of mine. That that anybody that's achieved anything, you ask anyone that's achieved any sort of level success, and ask them how damn Ford! they had to work every single day in order to make that happen or what they went through in order to have the the broadened mind that they had and how just what sacrifices they had to give up whether it was time with their families or time with their kids or the blood sweat and tears things don't just fall in people's laps we people have to work really hard to do that so my offering to you before we get over and we hear what Eddie went through in his powerful story is to first, we got to get up. So, you know, whether it is from falling down or whether you're still just sitting your lazy ass on a couch and some of you are still doing that, it's time to get up, put the bong down. And get up. This is a different kind of hot box now. This is a strategic hot box. It's a different kind of hot box. It's time to get up and make some shit happen. Um, And second, I I frame it as wear comfortable shoes. I look at it as you never want to get into a place where what you're thinking about when you're wearing the sexy club heels is your feet right? I always want to be in a place where I can take off running. I never know what situation I'm going to be in and I want to be able to wear comfortable shoes. And I mean it in a metaphoric way. I mean it in the fact that don't put yourself in a place where you're creating your own challenges, um, wear comfortable shoes and go after it, get up and go after it. And the final thing is to find solace. And this one is easier said than done. Um, in some of the tragedies that I've faced, uh, Uh, I've there's been darkness tragedy in my experience has brought darkness and I think the most challenging piece is finding a challenging component of that is finding peace and if we can find peace or solace in the tragedy then there's a focus or opportunity for growth and focusing on the future and so if we can get up get those comfortable shoes on or just get, you know, the, the mindset on the future and find solace that maybe the tragedy, the challenge, the, the frustration, the, the failure, the thousandth failure is intended, then it's going to make you stronger. And so how do we go forth in the world having that strength within us? So you've shared quite a few things about not giving up and, and the power of that. What other tools do you give to that next generation? Or what do you hope to give in the future?
1: Uh, You know what? uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, youth coaching. I mean, I was coaching before I got sick. I'm still coaching now. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build leaders that don't give up, that understand that failure is all right. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to fail. We're going to mm-hmm. fail. Things are going to go wrong. And the one thing is you have to keep on uh, getting up and moving forward. Um, we talked earlier about uh, speaking in Washington, D.C. with Michelle, Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it, it, that actually came about because of a failure that I had with one of one of my uh, first uh, public speak, speaking uh um, what happened experiences? Well, I, w- I went back, I went back to my high school and, uh, that was at that time. That was the largest, the largest group of, uh, of students that I had. I had spoken to my large, largest audience. Well, in the middle of speaking to all of them, just completely lost my train of thought. Frozen. Just
2: like blanked out. Blank,
1: blanked out. I mean, I was mumbling, trying to come up, and we were in the gym, so I kept on just trying to point at the basketball rim, going, "And I shot a basket here." And that's uh, for basketballs. That's where. I, and I walked down the hall, but I mean, I was just, I was grasping for air, and there again, just like, uh, like I've been telling you, my wife, who's just the the most wonderful woman uh, who has ever lived. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I am absolutely lucky to have have her in my life without her, I wouldn't be able to do the things I do. She was able to take the microphone and, and Did she, filled really? in. Oh. She, she filled in for me, but for the, the thing that happened is, uh, I mean, it was in Southern California, the whole ride back home, it was quiet. I was demoralized. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do, but the following day after a night of sleep, there was two options for me, get myself back up, do the things I need to do, um, or just lay there in bed and just wallow in the pity and never, never, ever come out again, which no one would ever have blamed me. But what I did was, I got um, a personal speaking coach. Um, I started uh, looking up YouTube, a lot of my motivational speakers. I started working on my craft and, and speaking. And the next thing, next thing you know, I'm being invited to Washington D.C. to wow. speak at Michelle Obama. But imagine and if boom. I would have, yeah. But imagine if I would have just laid there and just said, no, uh, this, that was too hard. This is, this is it. Yep. Um, it, which would have been the easy, easy route? No, yeah. We would have never had the most. I don't take you for wonderful. the easy
2: route guy now, you know.
1: Yeah, you know what? I just it,
2: after after everything that you've been through, I feel like easy route is some bullshit for you.
1: You know what? <laughs> you can you can say it how you want, but you know what? Even even earlier in years, uh, you know, you're talking about Michael Phelps being mm-hmm. you know six six four or, mm-hmm. or what have you, all that. I mean, I'm I, I'm five foot nothing. Mm-hmm. I and I was an athlete, and I I just wanted to be just good enough to play. And I was always, uh, you know, I won when I was in high school. I won most most motivational my freshman year, hundred and ten percent award. My I mean, I was never good, oh, but I was always
2: most spirited. Most spirited.
1: Exactly. You know, most, you know, keep the bench warm, you know, whatever, you know, all those, all those things. But I think those, you know, all those things really led led me to be the person I am today and to help me get through the, when the tough, when it got really, really tough, um, like losing your hands and feet, Mm -hmm. um, it, it really helped me, especially because, um, Uh, earlier in your, on one of your shows, you're talking, they were talking about having no regrets. Mm -hmm. People ask, do you miss playing softball? Do you miss Mm -hmm. this? Do you miss that? And I say, no. And they're like, how can you not? I would totally be. I go, because I don't have regrets. I don't regret the way i played i played with recklessness abandonness i always ran everything out i can i can honestly say uh, there was no doing things half ass mm-hmm. everything everything i did was full speed my mom would always tell me mijo you gotta slow down <laughs> you're, you're always bruised up and this mm-hmm. and that and i go i, I don't want to live any other way I'll, I'll take the bumps and bruises and go figure this happens to me and i i can look back and go I'm not. Hey, a guy. I was, balls, I, out. I was yep. balls out. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. that's what I was going to use. Balls out all the time. All <laughs> I'm the with way. you. So, I'm on the same yeah, level. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I, and that's <laughs> that's the way I play. And you know what? Believe it or not, that's that's actually how I still live my life.
2: Had, well, you, you started to describe that you got your kind of perspective from Nick. What is that philosophy or outlook that you live by today?
3: It's there's always something positive. So in every negative, there's always a positive no matter what it is. Even if there's a death, which my brother passed away in 2013, um, I'm sorry. it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, there's everyone has problems. Everyone has things that happen in their life, whether it's a death, whether it's finding out you have a disease or or cancer. or I mean, it could be down to the littlest things, but there's always a positive in that. So that's what I focus my life on is no matter what happens, no matter what negative comes out, there's always a positive.
2: Yeah, just so, if you I could leave to... us with one word or one action item, what would it be?
0: Uh, one word or one action item. It would be. It would be is to sit in your discomfort mm-hmm. and um, and coddle your fears.
4: Sit in discomfort and coddle your fears. I never take anything for granted. Um, prioritize your life and really think about what's important. I used to think of things as being important. You know, what how many things can you buy? How many nice things can you have decorating your home, having nice furniture? But really the things that are important are things you can't replace. Things that, you know, memories made. Take those trips rather than collecting a bunch of stuff. So when the when the firemen Ask me when it first happened, is there anything you want us to try to save in the house? Of course, the first thing I thought of was the pets. And when when it was too late for that, they said, is there anything else? And I said, I have a shadow box with my mom and dad's original wedding picture. Mm. And both of their wedding rings are in that shadow box. That is the first thing I immediately thought of. And they were able to save it. It actually was untouched which is amazing so things like that that you can't replace that's what i would suggest is really think about your priorities in life and uh, kind of get those straightened out let's get out to the shout out
0: hey this is chad and teresa founders of wyoming malting company
4: in pine bluffs wyoming
0: and you're listening to the small town girl brandy Stekovic, on the strategic hot box enjoy
3: Greetings for your strategic hotbox. Greetings from Santiago, from Jose, from the Angeles Boutique Hotel.
4: Hallo, ihr Lieben, hier ist Kitty aus Los Angeles. Ihr hört und seht Strategic Hotbox. Es war mir eine Freude, euch dabei zu haben und euch zu fahren. Viele Grüße, ganz viel Spaß.
3: Hello, Bradley. Is
0: Javier from Panama. We are right now in the Bayou Museum. Made it from Frank Gary. Congratulations for your hot box and came to Panama for a visit. Of. Bye.
2: So now it's time—your favorite time—it's time to kick some ass. Number one is just simply get naked, and I mean that both physically and metaphorically. Strip yourself of all the the baloney that you carry around try to be more pure to who you are and recognize that there is more to this universe and life and and have a bit of a contextual alignment if that means travel travel but get out there and experience it and love this world for what that what it is and then secondly to get up i said it eddie said it and no matter what do it it doesn't matter what you're getting up from again if it's a tragedy or if you're just lazy and need to put the bong down it's time it's time to get up and make it happen nobody can do it but you Number three is to find a reason to smile every damn day. Go out there and find a reason to smile every single day. And whether you frame it from the way that Chris said in focusing on the positive, or you just remember all the things that you have to be thankful for, or you look at the people around you and just smile at the amazing beings that they are, look at yourself in the mirror and just be happy that you are alive, find a reason to smile every single day. Number four is to love full out. I am a lover. I'm a lover by nature. I'm a lover in life. I just love, love, love. And so I think that we should all love full out. And so, so many times we get a little fearful to really love people and to share love with different people. And there's so many like HR rules about you know love and connection, all these things. And you know, whatever, love full out. And people like Chris are out there spreading love and sharing love with different people. And I urge you to do the same thing. Because people, you deserve to feel that. You deserve to feel loved and feel special and you deserve to share that with the people around you. And that of course is number five, to be thankful. Every moment, every step of the way. It is the love part of Learn Love Kick-Ass after all. There's your top five kick-ass. Uh, we, If you have any thoughts or ideas for things for us to tackle on the hot box, if you want to get some more information on Stacey, head out to our website, thestrategichotbox.com, or hit us up on podcast at strategichotbox.com. As always, you can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter. You know, if you want to find us, come, come get us. But until next time, get out there and kick some ass.